Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon. It's 2.36. I'm Greg Scordish, your guest host today, filling in for Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources. If you're like me, and hopefully you're not, uh, you're, you're, your picture in your mind of pre-Fidel Castro Cuba is uh, sort of like what you see in The, the Godfather 2 when they're going there to, to build casinos and build hotels and have a friendly government and put some money in and make it a, a resort island, really, a, just a, a, a beautiful place to go. And then, of course, the revolutionaries come through and things change drastically. United States has had embargoes and restrictions and and uh, has done things since the Kennedy administration uh, against Cuba that has largely put that government down um, and made it more difficult for their citizens to get products, to get resources. Um, and, and part of that was just in response to, to the Cuban government and the, the communist rule there. Um, President Biden... Um, or excuse me, President Obama years ago started to relax the sanctions a little bit, looking at Cuba, trying to open some things up, trying to open some doors, trying to open some some tourism to get that back in and 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 stimulate that economy. Uh, President Trump took a, a huge step backwards and said, "No, we're not going to reward this country. We're not going to give them money. We're not going to give them American resources." And President Biden surprisingly hasn't really done much to change. Uh, that uh, policy uh, by the Trump administration. Recently, we have seen protests erupt in Cuba, and that's something we we wouldn't have expected given that the very heavy-handed government they have there. But citizens in Cuba are tired of it. They're tired of not having food. They're not. They're tired of having uh, a terrible economy, jobs, and and want things to change. Uh, what should be the United States' response to that? We have a guest joining us this afternoon, Ben Burgess. Ben is a philosophy professor, political commentator, and the author of Canceling Comedians While the World Burns. I actually like to, to read that. He's also the host of a popular podcast, Give Them an Argument. He wrote an article recently titled, The U.S. Must End Its Brutal Sanctions Against Cuba, Not Intervene There. Uh, Mr. Burgess... A lot of members of Congress are taking the exact opposite position and saying, look, how, how can we possibly reward a government that is taking such draconian actions against its citizens for, for protesting? What would you say to those, those representatives? Well, one thing I would say to them, uh, and by the way, thank you for uh, that introduction, uh, is – uh, is that I'm very curious uh, whether they think that the United States should have uh, trade relations uh, with, with China or Saudi Arabia or any number of another country, other countries in the world uh, that have much worse human rights records 
than than Cuba does, uh, and I think that we all know the uh, the answer that there's, there's no principal reason why it's worse to trade with Cuba than it is to trade with any of those other places. The difference is that there isn't an important swing state uh, that has uh, that has a massive population of uh, of Saudi you know anti-government Saudi immigrants in it. You know, so that's that's why. Uh, that's why nobody's calling for that, and also it, it doesn't make that much of a difference uh, for the uh, the U.S. economy. But I would say that if if you want to help Cubans, uh, we know that the kind of intervention that some members of Congress or the mayor of Miami have called for uh, wouldn't go well. I think we have a lot of recent examples of U.S. interventions, and I don't I don't think we have any reason to believe this time would be different. Uh, but if we want to help people with the shortages that seem to be the immediate cause for these these protests, uh, then I think having Cuba be able to trade normally with its largest natural trading partner 90 miles away would be an easy way to do that. Why has this taken so long? I mean, why why is our government so adverse to assisting the people of Cuba? And, and, and maybe you could even remind some so, of us what uh, – President Obama tried to do a, a, a few years ago to sort of loosen those restrictions. Yeah. So uh, the yeah the the restrictions have been in place uh, since uh, you know since Kennedy uh, was uh, was president. In fact, when you know Eisenhower uh, was still president when the Cuban Revolution first happened, and he was already considering uh, some form of, uh, of sanctions at that point. You know, they didn't come on until 1960, but uh, 1961, I think. But, uh, but even when Eisenhower, you know, was, uh, was, was considering it, you know, he famously said, uh, this is quoted in an article in The Guardian today, that if the Cubans are hungry, they'll, they'll throw Castro out. I mean, part of the purpose of the embargo has always been to squeeze the Cuban economy to create pressure, you know, on the uh, the government, and so it seems to me that uh, that's exactly what leads to um, the situation that we're in right now. And it's one, and you know, you can say, okay, but that's not just it; it's problems with Cuba's system. Uh, there, there are lots of other factors. I'd say, okay, but I, I don't really understand how people can have it both ways. They can say, on the one hand, it's very important that we have these sanctions to pressure Cuba to doing what we want. But on the other hand, oh, it's not really because of the sanctions. They're not really having a big effect on Cuba's economy. And then I guess just to answer the other part of your question, uh, just before Obama left office, he, he did have a some diplomatic opening uh, towards uh, towards Cuba, uh, loosened some restrictions in ways that could be, could be loosened by um, executives' uh, decision without having to get Congress to approve it. He actually went to Cuba uh, himself, uh, but then when Donald Trump uh, was in office, he tightened everything back up again. And the combination of tightened sanctions and uh, COVID uh, has been pretty devastating uh, for for Cuba. I mean, this is a country that you know you were talking about Godfather too, and it's sort of passed as a resort island. Uh, even now, uh, tourism is is one of the biggest industries in the country, and of course. For most of the last year, that was completely shut down uh, because of the pandemic. So the combination of that industry having been largely shut down uh, with uh, the fact that uh, that the you know there are tighter restrictions than ever, uh, or at least tighter restrictions than there were just a few years ago uh, on any sort of trade with this economic behemoth next door is. 
you know, very, very bad news for Cuba. In the remaining minute, Ben, what does what does ending sanctions mean to you? I mean, how does that look in terms of the United States helping Cuba going forward? Yeah, I think what it looks like is just that the United States uh, trades normally with uh, with Cuba. Uh, that uh, if Americans, you know, want to get on a plane in Miami and and go visit uh, visit Havana. Uh, then, then they can do that. If uh, if American companies want to do business in Cuba, then they can do that. And there's no guarantee that that would lead to any sort of political changes that the United States might want. You know, if we have normal trading relations uh, with lots of countries that um, you know that that have very bad political situations, you know, much worse than Cuba. But I would say that my view is that the politics of Cuba are for Cubans to figure out. You know, whether, whether whether the protesters get the political changes that some of them might want uh, or or not, you know that that's a that's a Cuban matter. But what the United States can do is to not have this embargo, uh, so that at the very least the material needs that people are upset about the food, the medicine, you know, the, the power shortages, to the extent that the embargo contributes to that, that at least can be lifted. Thank you. Our guest this afternoon, Ben Burgess political author and and uh, professor uh, talking about maybe it's time for the U.S. to end its sanctions against Cuba, not intervene or make it worse. When we come back, our last segment, we're going to talk about some of the good and bad that we got out of the last year, what we learned from the pandemic, what we learned from uh, the, the movement with uh, Black Lives Matter and how our country has changed in the last year and a half. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.